Hello, everyone. My name is Jeremy, and I am the DM of Fate's Gambit here on Table Quests. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Fate's Gambit. <laughs> some things that I would wish I'd done differently and just some general, uh, I'll say DM advice. Uh, now that I have over a year under my belt and joining me today is Nick. Hey guys, it's me, your friendly neighborhood, not trying an accent guy. <laughs> And so in programming and game design, there's a there's a term that it will basically what you do when you release uh, something or um, something didn't didn't really go as well as you had intended originally. And after the fact, you kind of go back and look it over called a postmortem. Well, Fate's Gambit isn't dead yet. It's still going strong and that we hope to keep it that way. Uh, until it reaches its natural time of death, or, well, the natural conclusion, I'll say. Uh, but uh, the idea of kind of looking back and things you would have done differently if you, you do this again um, is something that I kind of wanted to bring up because it's been something that, uh, behind the scenes, I'll say, has been kind of a struggle. Um, and uh, I've definitely overthought over I've done definitely spent too many hours overthinking what I should and shouldn't do with the campaign as a DM uh and so today we're gonna we're gonna be talking about that uh but yeah so looking back at the fate's gambit so far um I think the biggest thing that kind of came out about this is um i didn't know how to dm and so i i mean i've i've been a player for a while and obviously i kind of knew what dming like looks like from a player's perspective but uh i didn't really know how the the optimal strategy you know to uh prepare and run a game um, and so I basically went out and consumed every amount of media that I knew that I could find about actually running the game. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's probably, I'll say both, uh, that's probably my first mistake, being honest. <laughs> um, I don't know. Did you, like, w when you were first starting out, like dming nick did you did you go out seeking resources or did you just basically just roll with it oh man uh the first time i dm'd was for you guys doing lost mine i think um and i don't think i honestly went for as many resources as i could have i had mostly been inspired by the fact that I played D&D &D a little bit in college under a guy who was a phenomenal improver. Um, mm. 
just uh just really talented at taking scenarios and people's statements and turning them into story moments and i thought man that looks so easy i can do that <laughs> uh, and especially if i got famous a famous last words right especially if i got a module everything's written out for me i don't have to do any work wrong <laughs> yeah i think i made i made the mistake of uh, well i don't know it's hard to find good resources nowadays. I think you have had your own personal journey. Like you, you've constantly been reading different resources and constantly adapting and changing. Um, right. Because you keep finding things. You're like, oh, this is more of how I run the game. You know. Right. It's. It's really difficult to kind of put. Like the, I, I'd say the biggest thing is that everyone DMs for a different reason, or everyone has fun DMing in a different way. Uh, and I mean, I so, think the former statement is just as true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the the big thing is, uh, you uh, as as a DM, as a new DM. Like, there's so many resources out there, like, that I've consumed and so many different takes on how to prepare for a session or how to prepare an adventure or how to run a campaign or how to uh, role play, run NPCs, run combat and all this other stuff. But uh, there's so many different takes on it uh, and it can be kind of disorienting because... Um, you're just kind of lost in a sea of recommendations and just so much talk about uh, like D&D and how to run it. And there's the, the golden standard of like the, the popular shows, podcasts, Critical Role, The Adventure Zone, like stuff like that, just kind of whole as this ideal that you might have. And it, it's difficult to kind of take to look at those things and then apply it to your D and D like as a DM Um, critical role is a phenomenal uh, piece of entertainment. It is a bad. Here's how you DM like basic type uh piece of content because you're not a voice actor first off like okay most i most people are not voice actors and i think we actually like we touched on this point in our first talk talking about how you know coming coming to the table expecting to be one of these things is very unrealistic um you know, no matter how talented an improv artist you are, or even if you are a voice actor, you can't expect right. to come to the table with a party as handpicked as each of those. Like, each of them has different types of report. You look at the McElroys running the Adventure Zone. They're all relatives. They're brothers. They they each have their own podcast. They know their comedic timing. They know how to play right. off each other. They literally spent years 
like recording a different podcast that was all just about playing off of each other. Mm-hmm. And so like their their foray into D&D, like they took what they already knew and what they already had fun with and basically wrapped D&D around it. Mm-hmm. Um and so with Critical Role, you have a bunch of people that are arguably some of the best in their field all using their talents and what they find fun to to entertain cuz that's like their I'll say that that's like one of the things they that they enjoy uh else they wouldn't be voice actors <laughs> um and so you have to keep in mind that they're they're playing to an audience like they're they're definitely doing their own thing telling their own story but they're also playing to an audience and i don't think that's like uh that that uh changes how they do things and it changes how like that that game is being run for an audience in addition to the players and that changes how the basically what the dm style is um it also uh so kind of going back to this not only like find figuring out your skill set um figure basically trying to figure out what you're good at but also, um, your DM style can change drastically depending on what you find fun. If you're a war gamer uh, and you love miniatures and grid maps and combat and challenging encounters and all this other stuff, then planning out and strategizing specific combat encounters is going to be where your bread and butter is. And as a DM, you're going to enjoy preparing those things and preparing like maps and dungeons and uh, settings, like the physical drawing and settings more. And so your campaign is going to be a lot more physical. Um, Whereas if you enjoy like there's other pieces of enjoyment um, whether it's world building or narrative, um, there's a, a lot of different kinds of ways to run the game. And uh, <laughs> as as a DM, uh, a lot of the early sessions of Fate's Gambit were like trying to... It, it was like me trying to... Uh, I don't know. Me trying to make pancakes and accidentally baking a chocolate cake because I followed the chocolate cake recipe, essentially. <laughs> like, it's just, I was pulling advice and uh technique from people who were a different DM, a st- different style of DM than I actually enjoyed. And so I guess the, the first piece of information there is there's so much advice going on and getting thrown at you um take it with a grain of salt don't immediately try and apply everything that you read and try and figure out what do you find fun about being a dm what do you like when you what gets you excited to sit in front of the computer for four hours or like writing in a notebook for four hours just for your 
player characters to screw up the first decision and throw out the three hours and 58 minutes that you spent planning the rest of the session to go write something off the cuff immediately. <laughs> like, well, what yeah, makes and that, that? pulls into the next point is like, yeah, you should definitely figure out your DM style and you should also consider the people you're playing with. You should consider your players because if you're stuck with a certain group, like not stuck, but you know, say you've got a group of friends who you definitely want to run for, they're all going to have right. different things that they enjoy and different things that you're going to have to prepare. And you know, sometimes yeah. you're going to be able to find a middle ground where you get to do stuff that you enjoy as a DM. They get to do stuff that they enjoy as players. You know, when you find that perfect mix, other times you might find it's kind of difficult. Like you may have to adapt your DM style to suit. The players um and if and if you don't enjoy doing that if you find that so maybe you'll find that you'll enjoy doing that maybe you'll find that you absolutely loathe it and at that point maybe you need to find a new group you know or you right. need to switch <laughs> roles with somebody but a lot of a lot of learning your dm style also comes from playing with different people and seeing what they enjoy most about what you're doing because when you enjoy what you're doing you'll do a good job you know, people right. will come away from your sessions and say, hey, man, you are just that that scene, that one scene was super terrific. I loved the voices you did. Um, you know, I loved how you gave each character a moment in the spotlight. Other times they'll be like, man, that combat. Oh, how did you keep it so fast and so tense? You know, right. Take note of what your players say and that and then capitalize on that. You know, that that's right. one great way. The best some of the best advice you'll get is from your players. Yeah. And uh I definitely say like I I think first and foremost is focus on what you like focus on what makes it fun for you. Uh because when you're having fun, you're gonna be able to play into your characters, uh, your your players and like dive into what makes them fun and find that middle ground when you're having fun. And like we, we kind of mentioned, if you're, if you're not having fun and you're just kind of going through the motions, it's not going to be an enjoyable experience for your players anyways. And so you, you, it's, it might be best to find another group or try and get someone else to, to run the game. And so the, the main thing with fate's gambit was, uh, from the get-go, I had been looking at and listening and reading a bunch of advice from more story-based, linear uh, campaign, like DMs, basically. They were, they, were, they were DMs that were very much uh, a, I'm going to tell, like, literally, this is the layout of the story that I want to tell. This is the layout of what I expect the session to go and here is how I trick the players into uh, hitting these specific beats in this session. And I tried to do that for the longest time and kind of led to some of the mistakes in the earlier sessions. Like, obviously, one of the biggest mistakes, and I think is pretty, uh, I'll say, fairly um, noticeable, was... Um, setting up the plan uh like setting up the uh situation with uh z in the cave with the mask 
I had no intention for you guys to get the mask of creativity that early. And it just kind of happened. And then I was <laughs> like, well, frick, I need to get that back. And just like kind of flubbed it almost like almost basically railroaded the the that entire session and then decided at the last minute, nah, I probably don't want to do this and just let you guys have the mask. Um and like it it's it's just there's this there's this pool of advice out there and I I highly recommend trying to figure out what about the what about the game is what about DMing is fun? Is it planning out that specific story beats and trying to like make the session kind of revolve around these scenarios that you're setting up? Or is it more of a, um, I'll say an open-ended, you prompt the players with situations and then like just kind of sit back and figure it, like basically see how they're going to get out of this one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um it's uh is it political intrigue and like vast webs of uh like social basically vast social webs of if you take action against these this person or these people or clear out this dungeon then it changes the opinions of these people around the the map that you have um now ideally you would be able to involve most of this to some degree you know we're yeah not saying, i'd agree i don't think that we are trying to be exclusive here like find the one thing you're good at and just no, do that no. it's capitalize on your strengths because all of the stuff that you've mentioned so far jeremy is like important to you know creating a world that people can interact with you know, uh, it's stuff like that that makes players feel like they have agency even in a linear campaign. Right. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, it's just that, like, it, I I feel like um, listening to DMs who don't share the same style as you, it's good to pick up like pieces here and there, but it's very. It, it can be very damaging to your your own DM experience um, from the get-go, uh, especially as a new player, like, or as a new DM, finding out what you have fun with and, like, focusing on that for a little bit and then trying to branch out rather than, like, focusing on the wrong things for 50-plus sessions <laughs> uh, is definitely something that I, 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 I would recommend instead. Um, but that kind of leads to, I guess, another thing is just run games, play games. Like most of the practical advice that I've actually found useful, uh, has been either prefaced or like centers around the, the, um, the DM basically just saying, yeah, like it comes with experience. You're not going to knock it out your first campaign, your first session, your first 50 sessions, like you're it's, it's, it's an experienced thing. Um, I'm curious, like 
I'm curious what what uh, what uh, you've I'll say either used or what you've um, kind of how what you focused on or what you tried to improve or how you've tried to improve since starting uh, basically <laughs> since starting with DMing the the Lost Minds campaign. What kind of resources I look at? I'm just like, what do you do? You actively seek improving like your DM skills, or like, uh, what kind of what things do you focus on? How do you how do you improve if you if you chase that? I guess. <laughs> uh, interesting question. I have discovered that as a DM. I like to do characters. I like to do voices. I like the political intrigue. I like the social aspects, and I'm good at that. I'm good at doing party scenes. I'm good at doing uh, interactions, interrogations, all of this that involves character work. Um, and I don't like to read other people's resources on how to do that. I don't. I think that since I'm good at it and people have expressed that they enjoy what I do, my best way of improving is just practice, is just doing it over and over again um, and becoming more comfortable with what I do. If anything, I like to look up technical stuff, voice actor tips, um, you know, stuff that's not necessarily D&D relevant, um, improv tips, uh watching watching different shows that have interesting interactions like that or social circumstances i stay away from D content and try and consume stuff that just uh improves the skills and technical things i have whereas stuff i'm bad at such as combat i definitely lean on other D experts to tell me tips to make it easier or more difficult. You know, I, I have a couple, I have a couple resources I'll usually pull from. Um, I won't be able to name them because I have a, like a bookmark folder on my web browser. I'd have to pull up. But, right. Yeah. But yeah, I usually find that when I find I'm good at something and enjoy doing something as a DM, I don't want to taint that by like other people telling me how it's good or bad in context of D&D. I'll just work to improve myself technically and then I look for D&D specific on the stuff I'm bad at. Right. Interesting. Um I think, like, obviously part of that definitely, at least, at least, I think a lot of that, or at least part of that comes from the fact that, I mean, you are, like, you're naturally a performer. Like, that's what you, I mean, you got a theater degree, and that's just something that is already kind of ingrained into you is that that art of performance you already have that i guess that foundation so you that's the, that's what you like out of D&D and so you kind of to shore up your weaknesses just seek out resources for those sort of things while you're already honing like something else you enjoy um the 
starting from, uh, <laughs> I guess there's there. I went through a lot of different phases. There was the, <laughs> yeah, I want to be a storyteller phase. There was the, yeah, I want to be an actor phase. And I think I've settled on like, I'll say something I'm good at slash something that is, um, enjoy both enjoyable for me and also uh gives me a little bit of the things that I knew I liked but when I focused on them it didn't really work um I'd say for me it's building up a particular setting or situation and then just letting things go from there um Probably one of the best examples recently has been the um, the I, I I'd argue has been the town of Loudwater. The Loudwater saga, um, yeah, yeah. Like I get to I get to play interesting characters there, but it's and there's an interesting it's it's an interesting event and interesting like things that are going on are interesting but i'm not trying to cram a story down someone's throat i'm not trying to force character interactions because that's what i i enjoy about the game it's just i i like devising a situation that's like okay give this to the players and see what they do with it because uh, the the biggest thing that clicked for me is um, I love those toolbox moments where you hand the players a situation or the players get themselves into a situation and they have to try and figure out how the heck they're going to get out or they trying to figure out what they want to do here, how they're going to maneuver themselves out of this like political or social situation um, I or think like, you've nailed it. I think you've nailed it with Loudwater. I, I'll express it on the airwaves for the listeners to hear. I have really enjoyed Loudwater. I think that you, um, you've definitely made yourself something that you're familiar with. And at any point, I feel like we could grab an NPC or investigate some building and you'd know what's in there or know what to say, you know, because you you know the situation in this town and you know right the the political players, the people moving and shaking and and how to react to us doing things. Whereas before you had, you know, set pieces that you wanted us to navigate between or interactions you wanted to get us from point A to point B. Whereas in this one it's just a scenario that you are intimately familiar with. Right. And so like trying to figure out that aspect of my DMing style was what caused a lot of, I'll say growing pains in the first part of fate's gambit. Um, and so that kind of, um, it's the same concept, especially in like, uh, I'll say programming or even building like a house. Like uh, the foundation is kind of the foundation and you've already built on top of it. It'd be catastrophic to try and change the foundation without just bringing the entire thing down. 
And so trying to make the best out of what you've already laid down is kind of the the situation that I'm in right now. Um, and I think there's some there's definitely some things to that are good in the base story the like in Fate's Gambit. I, I'm not saying it's an all entire trash and like I I I should just can it and start a different campaign. Um, but I think there are a number of things um, that I've learned along the way, kind of how to. Uh, what what mistakes I've made and how I would do change them if uh, going into a different campaign. Um, and I think the first thing that I would do differently is uh, start with the party together. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh. Instead of that, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, Session Zero, we all know, was kind of a disaster. I'd say Session One was the bigger issue. Session zero with like everyone kind of being a different part and telling their story was interesting. Session one where we were trying to like group everyone together and like find some reason for the party to be together was, uh, yes. Given in this, in, in the context of this conversation, yes, session one is the worst one and probably the worst one quality wise overall. I think session zero was just a worse experience for the players because you were definitely in that. I want to be a storyteller phase where we (laughs) players, we players didn't roll dice for an entire session. Right. Yeah, it was, it was definitely like a introduction slash like I'll say, uh, prologue essentially, um, that, maybe would have been better served as like a handout. <laughs> mm, yep. Uh, but it's, I mean, that's kind of hard to translate in, in a, in a podcast medium, but, uh, I mean, the, a lot I, of this, a lot of your struggles have to do, your growing pains have to do with this being a podcast rather than a personal game. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of things that I would definitely, are there do differently or like change or something with um from if, if this wasn't a podcast um and uh so kind of going back so the first thing was starting everyone out together as a party already knowing each other is probably the first thing that I would change uh because it's really hard to do kind of an uh, assemble assembly type beginning um especially if the the characters were as like varied and just not at all similar like they i i jokingly like whenever i i describe the podcast to other people it's like it's a ragtag team of people that met in a homeless shelter that went out to save the world and like it, that's hilarious. It's a great tagline, but like, that's literally what happens, <laughs> right? And so many. Like, that's why so many modules just start with the party together. Like the circumstances right. are given. Uh, you know, lost mind. You guys all took this job, so you all have a motivation right. to be together. You're already together. Out of the abyss. You guys are all prisoners. Uh, I don't know how princes start, but I'm sure it's very similar. Princes is not a good example. I'm just saying it right there. There's a reason why I'm not running princes. Okay, well, 
Um, it's it's basically like, ah, uh, man. The 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 prince's start is basically you know you know what? It's probably because my first the the first module that I've ever tried running was princes, so I didn't actually have a good example of how to start a freaking module because princes was basically like, yeah, there's this town. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It's like. No. Um, I, I think Lost Mine really was one of the best adventures you could include in the starter kit. It was very simple, yes. very simple for the DMs and the players, had a lot of great motivations and stuff, and it, I think that made my life as a DM so much easier to start with that. Right, and there's a lot of things that I'm learning. Like, as a, if you don't want to go with Lost Mine uh, as a new DM... I highly recommend the uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. That is another fantastically written module that uh, gives you a lot of... Everyone starts from the beginning kind of in knowing each other in the tavern. Like, it's the classic you you all begin in a tavern kind of scene in D&D, like, opening. Um, and from there, it like basically allows the players a lot of agency, but also as a DM, like it's expertly written to give you um, a lot of the information and in how to run specific things if your characters do like one thing or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really DM friendly. So if you're, tr- uh, that's like, if you're trying to run a module for the first time, uh, either the Lost Minds of Fandelver or Waterdeep Dragon Heist are probably my my two recommendations. Uh, yeah, and I think um, I mostly agree with you on this point, the point you're making about starting with the players together. I, I, I think in almost every case, that is the best situation for the DM. I have only seen... At least starting out. Like, right. as a new DM, start with them together. <laughs> if you right. want to shake it up later, go ahead. But there's a reason why, like, it's the stereotype way to start a campaign. Right. And one of the one of the examples I'll give as to how to successfully launch a campaign with the players starting separately um, is, a, is actually a Pathfinder module um, that I've been reading up on that I'm hoping to run for uh for danny's family actually Mm, okay Uh, and the way they started out is all of these characters are in the same city and have the same issue with the city's government um and are summoned to a meeting of group uh, of a group that wants to oppose said government peacefully and obviously that doesn't go according to plan, but that is a great way to draw players together is to give them common cause and then just bring them to an event. Yeah. Um, Especially if they're in like the same locality, the same city, the same village, you know, that that's one way to easily give them similar motivations. Yeah. And, uh, Kind of the second thing relating to, I'll say, relating to characters is that, um, especially with a story-driven campaign, like I had the idea that I like tying the characters to the main plot was the 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 big thing. It was the important thing, and then I realized after I tied everything from the characters to the main plot, like they didn't have anything that they could accomplish aside from the main plot. 
Like it was basically just going to be a follow the main plot until it ends kind of thing where like it didn't give them that much um, freedom to do other things or like it didn't give them anything to pursue on the side, uh, which is arguably where the character, most of the character defining moments happen is their, their own personal goals and motivations and things like that. And so uh, one of the mistakes I made early on was trying to tie everything into the main the main uh, plot line or the main goal of the campaign, which was tying everything to the Red Phoenix. Um, right. Which doesn't work that well because especially if it's a large, long-running kind of epic campaign, which is what I had in mind... Uh, the characters won't be able to succeed in anything until the end of the campaign. That's like so many like sessions levels deep into the campaign before they have any sort of payoff. Right. I'm, I think I mentioned this in our last episode of like, if you make your character's motivation, I want revenge on the Crimson Phoenix. You have to run off of vengeance juice for 60 plus sessions. And right. Exactly. So hard. Right. And so like that's that's something I would definitely do differently with uh, a number of the characters. Um definitely with uh I mean Yakeg, Isaiah, um Lucas to an extent, although Lucas did have kind of the side goal of becoming a knight which he's now achieved, which is a whole other can of worms. Uh <laughs> that you are now lying in. Uh, but yes, that I'm now lying in. Um, but that's, that, that's kind of like the, the, I guess another issue that was difficult from a, from a DM perspective to like keep things interesting. Um, and, uh, I'd probably say that, um, Frick, I had one more thing that was like, I'll say character related that I was thinking of <laughs> at the time, but um oh, the overall plot, like um if I could go back and do like start Fate's Gambit all over again, um I would start with the party together. I would uh have the not tie everything about the characters to the main plot. And I wouldn't even reveal the Crimson Phoenix or any of that plot line until you guys were like fifth level at least. Right, right. I would definitely yep. like. T- yeah, I. I think looking back, I would definitely take this and have it slowly being kind of a, huh? That's weird. Haven't we seen this before, or didn't we see this in this other place? Kind of thing where it's like the puzzle pieces are slowly clicking into place, rather yeah. than oh, by the way, you guys are involved in fighting a cult now at like level two. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. I think, uh, yeah, you jumped the shark on that one. Definitely, definitely. So. With that being said, you know, all this retrospective on what you would have done differently and stuff, what what's what's in the forecast? I have to say that, like, uh, there's going to be a little bit of a de-emphasis on the major plot um, just because 
Like there's it Fate's Gambit's not gonna survive if I if it's going to be continuously just chasing down the red phoenix or the crimson phoenix. Um because uh like it's that's that's just like go to the next place, grab the MacGuffin, and then head on to the the next place and repeat the process. Um as now that I know that I, I I kind of know what my my DM style, what I what I enjoy is. It's going to be a lot more characters arriving at a place in our particular situation and having like basically having the the party navigate that situation however they want. I'm not going to have solutions already pre-planned out. I'm not going to have specific set pieces that I'm going to be working towards necessarily. It's going to be well, based on the character's actions and based on how I know the enemy or the this NPC or this force or this political party is, uh, their motivations are, this is what would happen. Uh, and it's not going to be, it, it's not going to be necessarily like tying a story together or trying to hit specific uh, like plot points. It's going to be a lot more okay, you guys are in this situation. What's it like kind of throwing it in the player's court? What happens next? Um, which I think is where I thrive best, honestly. And I think that's a lot where a lot of, uh, I think a number of our group really wants the campaign to be anyways, because there's been talk in the background about like, what does player agency mean? Why does it feel like we don't have any? Uh, does it like following the the artifacts is kind of one note? What's changed? What's different? Why why does this feel kind of samey and kind of struggling with that? Where like it it's the it was I was struggling with this dichotomy where it was like narratively like listening to the episodes. Um, Josh does a fantastic job of uh, like cutting our sessions into like a coherent narrative. And um, there isn't a lot, honestly, Uh, like there's there's a lot of uh, I'll say technical editing, Um, but he keeps the 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 majority of the session intact. Like there's (laughs) I guess what I'm trying to get across is you don't want to listen to the raw cut because it's just the clean version, but with a bunch of uhs, ums, and uh, it, uh, and like a 50 minute discussion on rules that we really didn't need to have because I had called it and we should have moved on, you know, 40 minutes ago. <laughs> um, but, uh, like I, I, it was this weird dichotomy where I was like, I was listening to the session and it sounded great. Like, I was really happy with how it sounded and what happened. And then I'd come back to the players and the party and it'd be like, well, yeah, it wasn't that great. And here's the three reasons why. And I'd be like, but it but it sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of another weird aspect, too, with uh, like recording the podcast for um, a an audience like it because it's a podcast. I, as a DM, constantly have in the back of my mind, okay, we need to get the ball rolling because we need to have some sort of progression or plot or something. Like, we need some sort of thing. We can't just sit here for half an hour, like, trying to 
decide whether we or not we go in the house, like what happens. Um, and so I have to like there. There's been times where I've tried to like corral the party towards where something interesting is, just for the sake of dang, that would sound cool. Like it would be cool to have that in an episode, kind of thing, which I probably wouldn't do if I wasn't recording the campaign for a podcast. Mm-hmm. There's always that temptation of, uh, you know, being able to justify any of the choices you want to make because, ooh, that would be good for the audience. Right. It's this, it's trying to juggle what is good for the players and what's good for the audience because, I mean... I try at least the the intention with uh with table quests is to present a more I'll say wholesome table experience uh rather than being purely for uh, purely a show or purely like um it's it's more about like actually uh giving someone I mean the the whole reason that uh, the the I decided to take and run with the uh, grab your dice uh, slogan is because I wanted it to feel like uh, the listener was sitting with us at the table, like they they were a member of the table, just seeing what's going on and like sitting along with us. It wasn't meant to be some theatrical production sort of like critical role was or it wasn't supposed to be this this comedy story kind of like um like uh the adventure zone is um and i wanted i wanted that specific distinction but at the same time like there's there is this this weight of okay i know it would be fun for the players uh but like we kind of do have an audience. And so I have that like in the back of my mind going like, okay, we did, uh, we've had X number of sessions without this thing, or I haven't brought up this thing in a while. So I kind of need to bring it up whether or not the players are interested in it or not, or like decisions along those kind of lines that aren't directly like, I wouldn't need to have if I wasn't recording this for the podcast. Mm-hmm. If I if I could give my input as a DM for another podcast that will go unmentioned um, or unnamed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's interesting the way that we set up that one uh, because we recorded each of them in arcs. Uh, I've been running the same campaign for that podcast. Uh, Each time we'll have five recording sessions and then I'll have a break while two other of the players step in as DM. So I'll usually have two months about in between each of these five recording session arcs. And that has both benefits and drawbacks you know uh, when i compare it to the way you're running as a long-standing 
uh, ongoing epic fantasy kind of podcast. Um, for one, uh, I feel I have the advantage in preparation. <laughs> um, you you certainly have to consider um, you have to consider the long game at all times. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> Whereas with a five episode arc, I, it's okay if during that season of the show, players get distracted. As long as the main story is advancing a little bit in the background, you know, that's that's kind of the B plot. Whereas we can have a series of A plots in each arc, you know. Right. Uh, whereas I feel the big drawback to that is the lack of continuity. You know, I, I have these long gaps where details will slip my mind, comedic bits will kind of fall by the wayside, you know, something that we may have carried on for a season gets left behind. Um, and also it just feels like uh, sometimes the B-plot doesn't move along enough in an arc, you know, Um the players are allowed to get distracted for the same for the same reason I just mentioned before, which is that, you know, oh, the B plot's running in the background. It's OK. It'll keep going just as long as we do whatever we want. You know, it, it gives the players a little too much freedom with what they're doing because, right. you know, it's just an arc. We'll fix it in post or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I... I I kind of envy the way you run it, and I also don't, knowing the amount of work you have to put in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said earlier, just having to consider the long game at all times while also making compelling stories that are immediately interesting to the players, I think is what you're starting to get the hang of, especially with yeah. Wildwater. I'd agree. Um, yeah, like <laughs> one of the one of the drawbacks of the the long form epic fantasy campaign is holy frick, burnout is real. Like oh gosh, yeah. having running a session every other week. So spoilers as to how we do things. We record one session every other week and split that session in two. So that's how you get a episode every week. Um is that uh like gosh burnout is real uh especially in the in the situations and the uh the times when it just like i really wasn't feeling it there was a lot of things that i just didn't know what to do um and was just kind of wasn't feeling very inspired but kind of doesn't matter because we have to have like we're going to have a episode every week and that's mm -hmm. kind of the 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 driving thing is uh <laughs> doesn't matter how i feel the show must go on <laughs> indeed <laughs> Which kind of sucks sometimes it does uh and wouldn't happen in a home game in a home game i'd be able to take a month off rethink some things and come back like inspired ready to go whereas right. with uh fate's gambit I really can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, big tip to all you, you wannabe DMs out there. Please, please learn to say no 
so many people are going to want you to run things. Learn to say no coming from somebody who is <laughs> way too spread out right now. Like, say no. Um, I, I, I'm currently involved in two podcasts, two D&D podcasts. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. Thankfully, I'm only playing here for, for you at Table Quests, which is a much easier job, but... I also DM for a couple personal groups, and even though those have no audience pressure, it's still such a big time suck, such a big time commitment, and I'm still trying to like back paddle on some of those commitments because it's so much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, DMs are in short supply, uh, and so that's... Uh that that uh you'll have a number of people coming to you and asking you like hey can we run a game mm-hmm. run this game oh and but. it's so addictive you'll want to say yes once you once you get on a roll you're like oh that sounds good yeah uh we talked about uh some stuff i would change at the start uh, of Fate's Gambit and kind of the finding my own way uh, with respect to DMing. So yeah, I guess one of the big thing, one of the big takeaways is you got to be careful with the like various pieces of advice um, thrown around on um, like either on YouTube, Reddit, whatever, because a lot of it is well intentioned, but if it's not the, if it doesn't like actually like, oops, if it doesn't like actually, I don't know, mesh well with your style, it's going to feel off. Um, but the only way you're going to figure out that is by experimentation. Um, so I'd say run games, experiment, try and find out what you like about D and D and then slowly expand your circle from there. Is there anything in particular that you wanted to uh, discuss regarding kind of the Bates Gambit as a whole? Oh, I don't know that there is. I think that we've kind of covered the big point, which is just how it's changed in the last couple months and how you're changing and Oh, that's a good thing. So, I, you know, these last two episodes of us talking have really just been about the good changes that are happening on the show. And hopefully that will uh, incline more people to share it and uh, grow and expand our audience. Because I think that as we get better, we get more entertaining. I think right. we'll get more interested as players and as as our dungeon master, you'll be more interested and you know, because that's that's part of the thing is there's a role that the audience is playing in this, that our listeners play in this. We we know you're out there. We know that you listen. We know we appreciate you. Um, and you're the reason we do the podcast, you know. Um, right. We could just play this game for ourselves. We enjoy each other's company. We enjoy each other's jokes. Um, but Jeremy had a dream to share it. And, you know, I think we've had enough listeners to, I think we've had enough listeners to justify that desire and to justify sharing it. And 
Josh does such a dang good job. It would be a waste of his talent not to share, you know? Right. Yeah. So I just hope that as we continue to get better, people continue to share and that the audience grows and more people come to appreciate what we're doing. Right. Yeah. So I guess the, the takeaway here uh, to kind of package this all up and this latter half is fairly short. So maybe I'm trying to think of anything we could kind of touch on in general. The takeaway is like, and subscribe smash that like button rate us on itunes no um that bell oh wait we're not on youtube no i guess the 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 one thing like we've we've talked about uh i guess we've talked about kind of the the things that i would go back and change as regards to to fate's gambit um and i i talked a little bit about kind of my my dm style moving forward but i think um ideally the the goals moving forward is going to be um the uh, the term player agency gets thrown around a lot but i think the the idea being um hopefully i'll be able to present interesting scenarios and problems to the um to the to the party such that I might not have an answer. I probably don't have an answer and I probably won't spend time trying to figure it out because that's your guys' job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in that, without that like solved answer, like the that the party will be able to take that take that situation and create their own answer. Um, mm-hmm. the and if you I guess, if we, if I want to give particular, uh, the kind of the thing that really made me realize this is what I really enjoy running, like this is why what I really enjoy doing as a DM or prepping or preparing or uh well, or actually running the game in this particular way, um. It's that, first off, I'm not a very small detail-oriented person from, like, the get-go. Um, I am very much a, like, an outline and kind of a, a mixture between I know the important parts, but also ad-libbing on the spot a little bit. Um, so the the I knew from there, like, the storyteller DM style was not for me. Um, and from a, uh, I'll say from a character side of things, like, uh, there are a number of interesting characters that have come up in, uh, Fate's Gambit, but I don't think I've, like, interacting with them was never kind of the focal point. Um, and so it's, it's mostly been trying to chase like scenarios, setting up scenarios and things like that, that I think the, uh, that's what I really like enjoyed. Um, and moving forward, I think there will be a, an element of, uh, if the players are going to get, get in over their head, I'm going to let them get in over their head. Like that's, that's totally their decision. Um, and that's kind of like what we saw with, uh, 
the um the 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 spooky house as i think it's being referred to now uh in loudwater i want to jump in here actually i i know that this is breaking up your train of thought but this is probably as good a time as any um i think that you are on the right path and uh, the only thing i would want to discuss with you kind of a sidebar to our conversation here about a change is resource management i know that we as a group have had a rocky relationship with that you know different people have different ideas um so specifically i just want to talk about rest and what it means um because we've talked about this handing a toolbox to people and handing a toolbox to players and seeing what they do with it and how they provide solutions. Yeah. And I think some of our best solutions come when our resources do become limited and right. we have yes. to get creative. Yeah. And, and that's definitely. Yeah. And I, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think that, um, Going forward, it might be in your best interest to consider making rests either more difficult or take a longer time or something like that. Uh, I think you've given us rests at good points. You know, I certainly don't want people to feel like we stumble into a rest and are like exhausted every time. There needs to be a balance between wow, we just had a huge dungeon encounter and we are now exhausted. Like, that's a great time to, like, make rests hard. And, you know, oh, we just fought a goblin camp on the way here and now we got to our hotel room and can rest, you know? Right, yeah. There just needs to be this... um, I don't want to say that every location should have a dungeon crawl aspect to it, but it sort of should, like like Loudwater. I I'm not I don't want to criticize the way you've run it at all because I think you've done a great job and I um I've enjoyed it. I'm just wondering how would you how would you make resources more valuable to the party and how would you um make us have to make us have to consider preparations more carefully. Um, I think the, and there's something that, um, this is not something I've put into practice, but something again, I've stolen from, uh, some, uh, you like YouTube chatter because everything that I grab is just recycled from someone else that I have either experienced them like watch them run a game or like have had them kind of explain to me. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. Um, the, uh, one of the big techniques that I've heard that you can use is to make, make the monsters that you're facing when you're traveling more like dangerous than the ones in the actual dungeon. Uh, not, I'll, I'll say most of them, except if you're going to put some like the, the, uh, boss of the dungeon, I'll say, 
Um, but like that, that basically prohibits or discourages, not prohibits, characters from uh, going into the dungeon, fighting a thing, and then retreating to long rest after their their initial fight, and then going back in. Um, because if if uh, travel is more dangerous, then they're like hedging their bets that they're not going to run into something worse on the way back. Um, another thing, another thing that uh, I've kind of seen, uh, or like that I've, um, I, I guess another idea that I've kind of picked up um, is that. Uh, so going back to that scenario, right? So the, the party goes in, they do a thing, they fight, they deplete some of their resources, and then they want to try and rest. Okay. Well, first off, either they try to rest and you prevent them with an encounter or something or some terrible, like potentially worse threat, or you let them rest. You let them go back and rest up and you play it off exactly how any actual, like, I'll say, place that was just attacked would play, like, react. You better believe there's going to be twice as many enemies in that dungeon now because they're all on high alert because they know that someone came in, killed this one group, and then left. And they expect them to be back. So expect newly set up traps, more alert watches and stuff like that. Make the actual dungeon come alive rather than like the, the players had the element of surprise in the first pass, but they will not have it this pass essentially. And that's kind of the other, I'll say the other take that I have. Hmm. Smart dungeons. Yeah, basically. Um, and that's kind of the other the other take that I've um, I've seen that that really works better if you're going into like the, a layer or something like that. If it's just like a dangerous place it, without some sort of loosely organized group, like a group like a, a goblin camp or something like that then it's a little bit harder to do just because it doesn't really matter. But, like, you you, just, you can still find ways to do that. Like, uh, as an example, uh, if it's not a layer or something like that, okay, you have the party go in, kill something, some sort of animal or whatever, uh, and then come back, uh, and then they go off to rest. Well, you can have that as an opportunity to invite, well there's some dead creatures in the dungeon now it's free food so have something worse come in and show up because it's feeding off of the thing that the players just killed and then when they come back they find this thing that's even worse than what they thought in the first place Mm -hmm. um but i think like in order to actually put that into practice you need to be clear up front that like i'm not gonna be super hard on you but i want this to make a like a uh intentional choice like i'm i'm going to make it so that going leaving the dungeon and long resting is not the best solution it's not always the best solution and so i think that's like 
I, I guess moving forward is kind of the way that I'm going to play it is that like I, I definitely am going to have resources be more of a thing. It's difficult when we're doing like uh, I'll say stuff that's on the on the road um, because realistically you have an encounter and then like there's going to be multiple days passing between the like getting to the next place or else there's like you're going to be having multiple encounters per day of travel and it just gets super bogged down and so i i do have some ideas about travel as well um that i've i i've played a i played around with it a little bit before but i definitely uh have some i'll i think some better ideas about how to run travel um, that both make the preparation, the distance, and like some in, in kind of work in some sort of threat in into travel. Um, I mean, I I might as well talk about it now, <laughs> since uh, here's a I guess I mean, another. You might want to save it. You might want to save it until you discuss it with the players. In in this instance only. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just because we don't want to make any kind of commitments without them knowing so much, you know, like. Right. Yeah. I I, I definitely uh, agree with that. But yeah. So like moving forward, I definitely think uh, it's, it's not so much going to be the. Um, it's not going to be as much of the like super survival type gameplay because I'm not really going for that. But at the same time, there definitely is I'm going to reward people actually preparing specific things or um, I'm going to like I, I will definitely reward people who prepare for certain outcomes Um or basically just have stuff happen regardless of if the players are prepared for it or not and have them just deal with it, I guess, is probably the best way to handle it because I don't want to say, I don't want to do the, well, if you if you buy this thing, then you're definitely going to use it because like, then it's just pre- being predictable based off of what the characters buy. <laughs> right. Um, but... It's definitely going to... I I want choices to be intentional. Like, if the... um, If specific things happen, I want it to be intentional or feel like it was because of the player's action or inaction uh, that something happened. Um, And I guess that's another thing is if you put the, the party on a ticking clock that dis like make makes it so that it, they're not as uh encouraged to oh we just fought an encounter let's go take a long rest so we have all our spell slots back and then go deeper into the dungeon if there if there's a clock that they can like miss out on be late for uh have something happen and they want to like they have some desire to get to a thing before something happens like I don't know, someone's been kidnapped and they're going to be like sacrificed in some ritual or whatever. Then you, you basically force the players. No, no, no. You're not taking a long rest because if you do, this person's dead. Um, as as an example. Um, right. 
And so, I don't know. There was just some ideas that I've been, like, thinking about from that that side of things. Um, and so, um, moving forward, it's definitely going to be, uh, instead of a, whereas up until this point, it's been a lot of, like, follow the quest line kind of thing. It's going to be shifting a lot of that responsibility and decision making onto the players and making it so that uh, whether they choose or to do something or choose not to do something is entirely on them and they will suffer the consequences either way. <laughs> That's the future of Fate's Gambit. <laughs> In a nutshell. Uh, there's some things I wish I had done differently, but it's too late. Oh, well, there's definitely some good parts in Fate's Gambit. I'm not saying it's all a waste, but there are some things that I, if I was starting up a new campaign, I'd definitely frame it differently. Uh, maybe, maybe you, the audience, can uh, take some of my, my, my stumbles, some of my mistakes, and uh, make it, hopefully, uh, or at least find the little tips and tricks a little bit useful but uh again do what you find fun at your table and then once you find that fun then strive to improve and you'll uh once you have that foundation of fun uh because alliteration is fun uh once you have that foundation of fun the rest of the stuff you can start building off of and it'll be a, a better experience than kind of struggling and flailing around trying to figure out how like how to how to get your players to have fun <laughs> just have fun dang it why aren't you having fun is this not fun are you not entertained <laughs> so yeah that's Fate's Gambit in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, kind of the, where we've been, where we're going, and from a from a style perspective, not a narrative perspective, there's plenty of some juicy stuff left in, in narratively to explore. Don't you worry. Uh, I'm not saying I'm throwing out the Crimson Phoenix storyline or like everything completely. There's That's still going to be around. Um, but... Uh, Changing up a little bit how it's presented to the players. I don't think it'll feel that different, maybe, to to the audience, but we'll see. Um but yeah. Any any concluding remarks, Nick? Uh I don't know. Share it with your friends. <laughs> That's about it. Uh <laughs> We've enjoyed doing it, and we look forward to doing it more. Yep. Look forward to uh, Nick's new character debut either directly after this episode or sometime soon. I'm not entirely sure at this point. Probably some. Well, definitely sometime soon. Um, But, uh, yeah. Uh, as for As for you lovely audience members... What's been uh, some some failings that you've had as a DM and uh, some ways that you've either fixed it or something you, you would have done differently? Uh, hit us up on Facebook or post in our subreddit or yell at us on Twitter and uh, tell us what you've 
any if you run a personal game or you know a DM and you want to complain about your DM, but in a constructive mm-hmm. way as to what they could do could have done differently. Uh, <laughs> Uh, share that with us, and uh, we're interested in hearing that the, those stories, and perhaps we can share kind of the uh, fumbles and failings and flailings of other DMs so that we have a pool of knowledge in which new DMs can look over and see if they can glean anything interesting from that are useful for. Uh, thanks again. Remember to share us with your friends and family and social media sites, subreddits, whatever, uh, if you think they would enjoy our podcast. And uh, we will be back next week. Hello, everyone. My name is Jeremy, the DM of Table Quests, or, well, at least Fate's Gambit. We're getting a little too ahead of ourselves with that. Uh, (laughs) So uh, let's redo that one. So with that being said, you know, all this retrospective on what you would have done differently and stuff, what's what's in the uh, what's in the the I word duh what's in the forecast for Fate's Gambit there you go Josh make me sound good (laughs) hang on and I'm going to take a quick bathroom break hold this subject change sure I need to like actually turn on the lights (laughs) (laughs) okay I'm just sitting here in the dark And now the sweet sounds of silence. (laughs) You're welcome, Josh. (laughs) 